0: Well, Happy New Year, and I'm glad you're here tonight. We're going to uh, do things a little different tonight. We're going to um, jump on the Word in just a moment, as soon as I make a few announcements, and then we'll come back and do some more worship as we watch people get baptized tonight, and then we'll finish with communion. So I'm really excited about tonight. I've been looking forward to it. It should be a great time together. Well, uh, why don't you open your Bible, if you've got it with you tonight, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, There won't be any... uh, Sunday Plus behind me, the outline is in your bulletin if you want to take notes. Uh, so you might want to grab that as well. But because uh, most of the staff was off most of the week, I uh, didn't want somebody to have to come in and do Sunday Plus for us. We uh, don't have anything on the screen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is what we'll get to in just a moment. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution? Let me see your hand. Made a New Year's resolution. Good. Now keep them up for a second. How many of you have never broken one? Put it down. Oh, come on. You're supposed to leave it up. You guys have all, yeah, we've all broken New Year's resolutions, maybe within just a few days of making them. I remember one New Year's that, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Usher's uh, sure good. You guys are great. You just come even when I forget. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, we'll take the offering now, too. Anyhow, I remember a New Year's resolution I made uh, several years ago that I was going to give up sweets and caffeine. That one lasted about three hours into New Year's Day, and I uh, I just had a breakdown and thought, well, it's a holiday. You don't really have to keep the resolutions on the holidays. And so I rationalized it away, and within three hours or so, I was eating and drinking and uh, caffeine and having my, uh, my normal holiday time. And then, um, you know what happened? A few days later, I'm thinking, you know what? I already broke that resolution, so why bother? You know, I'll just try it again next year. Most of us have made and, and broken uh, lots of New Year's resolutions. I think part of being human, though, is to set goals and to believe that things can be different. I think it's just part of the way God made us. And it's healthy, and it's a normal experience for us, especially this time of year. I don't know if you've already made some, but I want to encourage you to make some before we finish tonight. I think making resolutions can be good for us. I really do. Uh, Even though it might be frustrating at times to make them and break them, I think the process is good for us. If our motivation is to grow, If our desire is to change and to change for the good, then resolutions have a purpose. They can be good for us, because they move us down that path towards becoming more like Jesus, becoming holier, becoming more like God in our walk with Him. The Apostle Paul made lots of resolutions in the New Testament, uh, but none more famous or more important than the one I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. Look at it with me. Paul says, For I resolve, there's his resolution. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. A great resolution, one that we could all make. He said, I determined, I resolved to know nothing but Jesus and the power of the cross. Tonight, I'm going to encourage you to make some resolutions. We're going to walk through four different areas of our lives. And I want to encourage you to make some meaningful and personal resolutions in each one of them. Now, I'm not going to tell you what to resolve. That's not my job. But I do want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to grow in 2006. And I want to challenge you to make some resolutions that will help you grow in your walk with God. Why? Why is that a big deal? Why do I take the time? Why would I bother to do this tonight? Especially when you're thinking, I'm going to probably break it within weeks. Well, let me tell you why this is a big deal. You see, as a church community, our collective health will be a reflection of our individual health. Let me say that again. As a church, as a community of faith, our collective health will be a reflection of your health, of our individual health. The big idea in your outline, if you've got it with you, says this. To experience all that God has for us this coming year will take all of us experiencing more of him. I was praying this last week and asking God, what is it you want to just burn into our hearts tonight? What truth do you want us to walk away with? And I think this, uh, in one sentence says it, that to experience all of God, and don't you want to experience all of Him? I mean, to experience all that God has for us as a church, for you as an individual, and this coming year in 2006, will take all of us experiencing more of Him. You see, in more ways than you and I tend to understand, your connection to the body of Christ affects others. What you do affects me affects others around you. Your growth and your health in some way. I'm not saying in every way, but in some way it affects the growth and health of the whole body, the body of Christ. If I've got an owie on my finger, I cracked my finger here a few weeks ago. It's a scab now. But I had it on my index finger. Do you know how often you use your index finger? You never really think about it until you've got an owie, until you've got something, a wound there. And everywhere I went, man, ATM, the phone, you know, I'm using, you know, either a painful finger or another one, which I won't show you, which is kind of embarrassing to use. And so if I've got a pain, if i got an hour in my finger, does it affect my whole body? Absolutely. You bet it does. If I've got a eyelash or a piece of dirt in my eye, does it affect my whole body? Boy, you bet it does. Ever try to drive with an eyelash in your eye? You know, you can't see and it's... Trying to get that thing out—just a little tiny little thing in in your eye—and yet it affects the whole. If I've got a a problem with my heart, if I've got an infection in my throat or infection in another part of my body, does it affect the whole? It's just one thing. It's it's my tonsils that bother me, yeah, but it affects the whole body. One part affects the whole. The health of the individual members of my body affects the health and well-being of the whole. It's true of my physical body. And I want to suggest to you tonight it's true of us. It's true of the whole. God wants you to know him better. I wish you could just hear that truth and walk away with that tonight more than anything. He wants you to know him. And he wants us as a church community to fulfill his dreams, his purpose, his desire for us, his plan, his destiny for us as a body. And to get there from here. To get there from here will take all of us experiencing more of Him. To really fulfill and to to discover, to to see and experience everything. I mean everything that God wants for us in this next year. means that every one of us as individuals need to experience more of Him. We need to fulfill our role, our part, because the part affects the whole. Your growth and health is important to every one of us. It's not just about you. It's about us. We need you. We need each other. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I told you we'd be in 1 Corinthians tonight. We're going to hang out there for a little while. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And this whole chapter is a great chapter. Paul talks about the body of Christ, and he explains in great detail some things that I'm not going to take the time to, to, uh, to talk about tonight. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, he says this. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. He's talking about our physical body first. He's saying, hey, the body has all these different parts. And though there are many parts, it's still one body. I can't say that my arm is not a part of Kurt. My arm is a part of me. It's a part of the whole, part of my body. And he says, so it is with Christ. Skip down to verse 27. Same chapter. First Corinthians 12, 27. He says, now you. Who's he talking about? You. Us. We. He says, you are the body of Christ. And each of you each one of you is a part of it. Paul deeply understood this concept and this truth. We are many parts, but we form one body. We are many individuals, and yet together we form one body, the body of Christ. We're connected. And our connection makes us equally valued to God. That's kind of cool. You know, in fact, in that chapter, he talks about do, do we, you know, because it's just a toe or it's a lesser part, is it less valued, less important? No. no it's, in fact, we give it even more honor. We protect, you know, the, the, the small sometimes even more than we protect the big. But it's, we're all valued. That's one, one truth here. But we're all connected to each other. We affect each other. I have gifts God given, natural gifts. I have gifts from God, gifts that I've just grown up developing things that are true of me, and and so do you. Now, my gifts may be different than your gifts. Different doesn't mean better or worse, just different. But because we are different, because we have different gifts, again, we need each other. I need your gift. I need what God has given to you. We need you to work together with us, again, so that the whole is stronger. If we want to be all that God wants us to be in 2006 if we want to do all that God has for us to do, then we need each other. I can't get there without you. We can't get there without each other. And so our collective health will be a reflection of our individual health. I'd like you to pull out, it's in your bulletin, um, yellow sheet. On the top it says, questions for reflection 2006. We're going to walk through this together. I'm going to go through it pretty quickly. You'll have time to reflect on it and do it on your own later. So don't worry about trying to keep up with me necessarily. But I do want to walk through these questions. Now, let me just say this first. There are a lot of questions in each of these categories we could ask. I picked three major ones in each of the four categories that we'll take a look at to consider. Again, these aren't all the questions. You may have others, but these are three major ones I think are worthy of our consideration. The first category is personal health. Now, I know some of you are going, oh, brother, here he goes. (laughs) Hate that when we start getting personal. Well, let's talk about it for a moment. Personal health. Three questions. Number one, in an average week, how many nights do you get eight hours of sleep? Doctors, all sorts of studies say you need minimum of seven, most of us eight or more hours of sleep a night. How many nights a week do you get eight hours of sleep? Number two, in most weeks, how many days do you exercise? Boy, it gets real quiet. Number three, in how how many days in an average week do you eat two or more healthy meals? And, you know, I put healthy in quotes. I know you may describe or define healthy a little differently Than I do. But let's put it this way. How many good days, good food days do you have versus junk food days? Or how many meals do you eat that have more good food in it than junk food or bad food? See, most everyone knows nowadays how important our physical health is. I mean, we know this. I don't need to spend a lot of time on this. But I want to say this. I want to suggest to you that it's not only important to you. It's important to us. Your health, your physical well-being... It's not only important to you as an individual, it really is important to us collectively. How can you do what God wants you to do if you're not physically able to do it? How can you accomplish what God has asked you to accomplish? How can you be all that God's called you to be if physically you don't have the stamina or the health to do so? Now, I know there are health issues, there are problems, some of you have chronic conditions. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying let's be the best we can be. Let's do the best we can do with our physical bodies. And so here's the question. What reasonable and realistic resolution can you make? In 2006, regarding your personal health. Now, key words here: reasonable and realistic. If you've, you know, never run a mile in your life, probably don't want to resolve to run a marathon this year. That's a, you know, it takes a little while to get ready for that. So, reasonable and realistic resolution. But what are some issues regarding these areas: sleep, exercise, eating? Resolutions that you can make that will be good for you in your health. It's not just important to you, it's important to us. Second category, the spiritual growth. First question, how many hours a week do you spend in personal Bible study? doesn't mean sitting here listening to me with your Bible open in your lap. It means personal Bible study. Reading or memorizing and meditating on Scripture for your own growth. How many hours a week? Second question, how many hours in an average week do you spend in personal prayer? Now, you've heard me say before, I talk about prayer as a lifestyle, not just an event. And I'm not suggesting that by any means that we all have to get up at 4 a.m. and spend three hours in prayer every day. You know, and if, you're, if it's a lifestyle for you, how many minutes in, a, in an hour have, are you consciously aware of God and in communication with Him? Third question. How many spiritual growth books besides the Bible did you read the past 12 months to develop your own faith, your own walk with God? Even more important than your physical health. Physical health is important. But even more important than that is the condition of your spiritual health and your relationship with God. And like any relationship, the way to health is time. Did you know that? The way to health is time. Time talking, time listening, time learning. Think about when you first started dating, you know, or when you fell in love with so-and-so, or when you had, you know, a friendship developed with somebody. I mean, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes what? You guys are with me. Thank you. It takes time. It just takes time. Time listening. Time asking questions. Time talking. Time sharing. Time learning about each other. Now, even though Laura and I have been married for over 30 years now, how well would we know each other if we never really spent time talking, sharing together? Years ago, as a young pastor I had a couple come to me and uh, they wanted some counseling and she was extremely distressed and frustrated. And uh, she was obviously not too happy with him. And so I started with the guy I usually do. I said, hey, what's up? What's happening? And he kind of shrugged and said, I don't know. I don't know. And uh, she just exploded. She basically had a meltdown and said, how could you know? You never ask me. We never talk. You have no idea what's going on in my head. She was frustrated because there was no communication, no communion between the two of them. You know, I, I want to interject something here and, and I at the risk of sounding like I'm waxing legalistic and I'm not, by the way. Uh, and I'm not gonna tell you how many hours a week you need to spend in prayer or Bible study. Notice I haven't done that. How many hours a week you need to, you know, be reading and, and praying and in and, and communion with God. But I'm gonna make this statement, I wanna be clear about this. Spiritual growth doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by accident. You don't just you know, one day wake up and go, Look, I'm a spiritual giant <laughs> It doesn't happen by accident. Not any more than, you know, you get in shape by being a couch potato. You've got to be intentional. You've got to make some decisions and some choices to grow. Are you growing in your spiritual health, your relationship with God? What are some resolutions that you can make this year that will help you grow in your walk with Him? Third category is personal and family life. First question, in an average week, how many hours do you spend alone with your spouse or trusted friend if you're not married? How many hours alone do you spend with that person that's most important to you? Number two, how many hours a week do you spend with your children or supporting their interest in activities, such as attending sporting events, concerts, recitals, and so on? And note here, a little note, this does not include time watching TV together. Oh, we spend hours every day together. You know, in front of the idiot box, eh, that does not count. How many times a week, number third question, do you typically share a meal together with your family? You know, on this last one, there have been all sorts of studies done about this, and Uh, Let me just read you one quote from one study. And I quote, according to the 2010 survey conducted by CASA, I'm not sure who CASA is, but an organization, says children who who don't eat dinner with their families, ready for this, children who don't eat dinner with their families are 61% more likely to use alcohol, tobacco, or illegal drugs. By contrast, children who eat dinner with their families every night of the week are 20% less likely to drink, smoke, or use illegal drugs. Other research has shown that teens who eat frequently uh, with family dinners are less likely than other teens to have sex at young ages, get into fights, or be suspended from school, and they are at lower risk for thoughts of suicide. Time with your family, time with your kids. And I want to say this again. Trust me on this one. Your family life affects our family life. Boy, as a pastor, I know this big time. Now, I have the people come through and talk to me about what's happening in their families in their life. And I know that your family life affects not only your family, but it affects our family, the larger family of God. And so are you giving attention to that? Just these three areas, how you you doing there? What can you resolve to do better this year? One last category. Ready? Last one. It's church community. First question. In an average week, how many hours do you spend on ministry or church-related activities or tasks? such as church service or small group attendance or ministry to others? Second question, how many hours a week do you personally spend discipling or spiritually mentoring others? And the third question, what percentage of your family income do you give back to God in tithes and offerings through your church? Now, I know all these questions make most of us pretty uncomfortable. And frankly, we all, me included, can grow in these areas. And again, I want to be very, very, very clear. Please listen to me. I don't want any emails. I'm going to be clear about this. I am not attempting to put anybody on a guilt trip here. I'm not going to collect these yellow sheets. I'm not going to call you up and ask you what you answered on this one or that one. And I'm not going to put anyone on the spot. That's not my place. I do, however, want you to be honest with yourself and with God. My job is to ask the hard questions from time to time time, and to ask them in a loving and grace-filled way. And it's not to guilt you into anything but to speak the truth in love in such a way that you'll evaluate your life in light of what God has asked you to do. Now, let me make this very clear as well. Listen, in light of what God has asked you to do. It's not what Kurt is asking you to do. It's not what I do. It's not what your neighbor does. It's not what so-and-so does. It's what God has asked you to do. So one of the key components here in answering these questions and making resolutions is I want to encourage you, get in your face, spend some time saying, God, what do you want me to do? What is it in these areas that you would like me to do? What, as we just go into 2006, as we move into this new year, great time to just kind of start afresh and to say, God, what do you want? What do you expect? What are you asking of me? And then do what He asks. And here's the cool thing. You ready for this? When God asks you to do something, God empowers you to do it. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Anybody, I mean, I mean that is so profound. I mean, for you to do anything... On your own, is completely frustrating. You won't last. The resolution will be broken in hours or days or weeks. But when God says, listen, Larry, I want you to do this. Kevin, I want you to do this. Debbie, I want you to do this. When God asks you to do something, then all the resources of heaven come. All the power of God comes to help you fulfill what he's asked you to do. He'll empower you to do what he wants you to do. And so my question simply is this. Are you truly investing your time, your energy, and your money in a way that honors God? Are you taking care of your health in a way that honors God? And again, I'm not talking about you becoming, you know, Mr. Universe or whatever. I'm saying, are you just, are you doing it in a way that honors God? Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Are you honoring that temple? Are you doing what God asks you to do in the area of spiritual growth, are you honoring Him there? And will you finish this year, 365 days from now, and look back and say, you know, I haven't been perfect. Not going to happen. Not for me either. I have done it all right. I know. I, I've, I've still got areas I'm working on. But you know what? I grew this year. I became more like Jesus this year than I was the year before. That's what He wants for you. That's His desire. Are you living in a way spiritually, in your spiritual life with Him, that's going to help you get there? In your family, are you honoring God in the way you live with your family, your friends, those key relationships God's given to you? And Are you doing so with the community, the church community, the community of faith that God's put you into as well? Now again, let me just say, I'm not defined what that looks like for you. And I'm not going to do that. That's not my job. But I ask you the question, are you honoring Him? The New Testament's clear. We're to honor God. We're to serve others. We're to disciple others. A great commission. Go into all the world and do what? Make disciples. We're called to do that. We're called to give generously, to support the work of the kingdom of God. All of those things are very clear. But here's the beauty in God's way. When each of us is doing what God has asked us to do, When you are doing what God has asked you to do, the whole is stronger than the part. We are stronger when we are actively engaging our lives in honoring and pursuing God. The body is blessed and becomes healthier. We are stronger when you are stronger. That's why I care. That's why this is such a big deal. As a pastor, that's why this is important to me. We are stronger when you are stronger. And you are going to experience more of the kingdom, more of God's life, more of the abundant life. It doesn't necessarily mean the easy life. I'm not going to say that, but the abundant, the good life He wants for you when you pursue Him with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. To put this in perspective, I want you to turn to First Corinthians chapter 9. Back a few chapters to 1 Corinthians, the 9th chapter. We'll pick it up, verse 24. Now, I'm going to be reading from the Living Bible. If you've got the NIV, you can follow along fairly well. But let me read to you. I love the way the Living Bible puts it. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Paul writes, In a race, everyone runs. But only one person gets first prize. So run your race to win. Interesting. Paul's saying, listen, enter the race with this mentality. I'm going to give it all I've got. I, I want to win. I want to finish. And then he says, to win the contest, you must deny yourselves many things that would keep you from doing your best. you, You know, to get there is going to cost, it requires some choices from us. An athlete goes to all this trouble just to win a blue ribbon or a silver cup. But we do it for a heavenly reward that never disappears. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. Isn't that a great statement? I run straight to the goal. I am going for it with purpose in every step. I fight to win. I'm not just shadow boxing or playing around. Like an athlete, I punish my body. Now he's not talking about whipping it or, you know, hurting yourself. But discipline. I punish it. I, I make it submit to me. Treating it roughly. Treating it to do what it should. Not what it wants to. Hello. Have you figured that one out yet? Your body usually wants to do the wrong thing. Man, I've been eating a lot of junk food this last week. Can anybody join me in that one? I told my wife this morning, I've been working so hard to you know, exercise and lose weight and I put on two pounds this week. I'm very upset with myself right now. But it's all that almond roca stuff that people give me and, and all that great caramel stuff and all the food. It's just horrible. My body typically, up to itself, doesn't go the right way. Have you figured that one out? Training it to do what it should do, not what it wants to do. Otherwise, I fear that after enlisting others for the race, I myself might be declared unfit in order to stand aside. You know, some of you may have noticed that there are a lot of football, bowl games going on right now. Anybody plan on watching one in the next day or two? Yeah. A lot of football going on, and uh, the athletes that are performing in those games, they have trained their bodies to function at its very best. In fact, the bowl games are the best of the best, and the, trust me, those guys have worked hard to get there. Now, whether you play sports or not, and that's not really the point, but whether you have or not, every one of you understands the analogy that Paul uses here in 1 Corinthians 9. And the biblical principle is very clear, very simple. Let me put it to you in two words. Train hard. Train hard. Paul is saying, do your best. Do your best. Why? Because what's at stake is eternal. This isn't just about playing around. It's not just a game. What's at stake is eternal. Now, from time to time, people come to me and they say, I want to know the will of God. What does God want me to do? I'm not sure what to do on this area. And I, and I never hear God. God never speaks to me. I don't know what to do. And you know what I just love to tell people? I'm going to tell you right now. Whenever you face that situation, whenever you're in that quandary, trying to figure out what God wants for you, here's when you come to that crossroads on the journey of life and you're not sure what to do, pick the narrow road. Pick the hard way. Pick the way that's going to require sacrifice. and and training, and it's going to be tough for you. People I'm not sure what God wants me to do. Pick the narrow road. Because Jesus said in Matthew 7, that's the road to what? It's the road to life. The wide way is the way way to death. It's the way that's easy to go. So I'm telling you, this year, if you've got, and some of you are there right now, should I marry that guy or not? Should I change my job or not? Should I buy that car or not? Should I do this or not? Should I give that money away or not? Should I do this ministry or not? Should I, you know, and all the should I's and the questions in the world. have to be careful when I say should I's, huh? All of those questions, all of those things that you are wrestling with. When you come to the crossroads of life and you're not sure which direction to go, choose the narrow way. Choose the narrow gate, that narrow road, because that's the road Jesus, Jesus said, not me, Jesus said that's the road that leads to life. Another passage said, you know, there's a, right, there's a way that seems right to man, and it leads to what? Death. And so the call of God is for us to follow Him, to pursue Him, and to make the choice, the tough choices to train hard. As your pastor, and as someone who loves you guys a great deal, my encouragement and my invitation to you is very simple. Train hard. Make some healthy resolutions that will help you personally become all that God wants you to become. Don't do it for the wrong reasons. Don't do it to earn some favor because you've already got all the favor from God you're going to get. God loves you. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you just like you can't even understand how much He loves you. I've said it. You know, nothing you can do that's going to make God love you more and nothing you can do to make Him love you less. This isn't to earn something from God. Dallas Willard once said this, a great quote. He said, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. And so it's not as if we don't have something we need to do, things that God's called us. Grace is not opposed to effort, but it's opposed to earning. So it's not about earning something from God. I'm not telling you to do this so that you can get brownie points in heaven or so you can, you know, make Eagle Scout by the time you get to Jesus or whatever. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you and I pursuing God, loving Him, following Him with everything that we are so that we can discover individually what He wants for us and then collectively as the body of Christ, as a community of faith, what He wants for us. I'm excited about 2006. You know, this week's our third birthday. And I'm here to tell you, um, I look back over the last three years and I am amazed and humbled at all that God has done. And I'm just, I am I'm just amazed and humbled at all that He has done. And I look back at our life collectively as a church community and I, and I see the great things, the people who have come to know Him, the lives that have been changed, the struggles that some of you have had and yet the body that stepped up to support you, encourage you, walk with you through those struggles. And I am greatly encouraged and blessed by what I see in our past. But I have great anticipation for our future. I have great expectation. I believe that God wants to do more. Why? Well, because there's so many people that need to know Him. So many others who don't know Him, don't know what it means to walk with Him, don't know the healing and the wholeness and the grace and the life that He can bring to them. And so I have great anticipation and expectation for our future. But to see it happen will take all of us experiencing more of Him. It will take you. You're important. You. Your part is very important to us, to me, to the whole. I'm on, the band come, and I'm going to pray for you. Would you bow your head and let me pray for you? Father, Thank you. Again, for what You've done this past year. Thank You for Your goodness to us. Lord, thank You for the over 200 people that made decisions for You this year. And for the 75 or so that have been baptized in water. And thank You, God, for the the many people that have been touched and impacted, changed by Your grace, by Your power in their life. God, I thank You for Your provision for us and that we finish this year in the black again and that you've met our needs. I thank you, God, for the families and the the relationships that you've been healing. I thank you, God, for the people that you've brought that have made a difference in our church community. And yet, Lord, I believe with all my heart that you want to do even more. Not for my glory, Lord, not for our glory, but for your glory. So that your name would be lifted up in this valley. So that the tens of thousands around us who don't know you yet, Lord, would have you in their life this year. That our family, our friends, our co-workers, the people around us who right now have no idea how much you love them this year, Jesus. This year, Lord, they would come to know you, your grace, your love, your mercy, your goodness, and that you would use us, Lord, to do that, is my prayer. That you would make us a light, Lord, in the midst of the darkness, that we would shine for you, that people would look at our body, they would look at our lives, and they would see Jesus, because we are the body of Christ. But they would see what we say, that they would see what we do. They would see our love, our acceptance, our grace, our forgiveness, and they would see Jesus. And that because of that, Lord, they would give their lives and their hearts to You and want to know You because they've seen You in us, the body of Christ. And yet, Lord, I know to get there, every one of us, every one of us, as an important and value, valuable part, a role to play in this, God. We have a responsibility. We have things you've called us to do and you want us as individuals to do so that collectively as a body we can do all that you want us to do. And so, God, I pray, help us to make resolutions tonight, tomorrow. Help us to make resolutions about our personal health, about our spiritual health. About our family, about our friendships, about our church that will help us to become all that you want us to become, and to do all that you want us to do. So that a year from now, Lord, we'll look back again and say, Thank you, God. Thank you for all that you've done. We need you, and we need each other. Burn that in our hearts tonight, I pray, to Jesus.